Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. RichardHerring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. RichardHerring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has a sexually transmitted disease. It's Richard Herring! Oh, yes, thank you. Welcome. Welcome to Series 10. Count them. Uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Oh, I was down at the um, Junior Gazette uh, the other day. It's, uh, <laughs> There's a guy there called Colin. He's really cool. He called it uh, Rahalastor. So I don't know if that's, uh, that's going to catch on. I do have a sexually transmitted disease. Well, in a way, I've caught, uh, I've caught a virus off my daughter, who I created with sex. Uh, that's what they don't warn you about. They're the worst. Because it's an ongoing... Once you've got a baby, there's just disease for the next ten years. It's just awful. So you, whatever they get, you get... It's really horrible. I, I, you know, thank God I only record one of these a week because the idea of having to talk to two people tonight would be... I mean, the second one. Uh, 
<laughs> so uh, yes, thank you very much. If you donate to the Kickstarter, um, we've got we've paid both for Series Nine and Series Ten, which is lucky because we'd already done Series Nine. Uh, so if we hadn't got the money for that, we would have been fucked. Uh, so uh, thank you so much. It's really uh, great that you want to support it in that way. Uh, oh, I've forgotten. I'll talk about that in the second. I've forgotten to bring something on. Uh, with the, you, there will be a mention of we've got some product placement. It's kind of hidden behind this chair at the moment. But so we'll wait. That's one of the one of the Kickstarter uh, rewards. Uh, and yeah, it's like it feels like ages since we did these. But the news is all the same. Brexit's still happening. Apparently, there's been no bad effects of Brexit yet. Though, so that's good, isn't it? Because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> We're still in the EU. Stay in. Stay. Uh, uh, d- democracy is kind of self-imploded and punched. Everyone's sort of voting to punch themselves in their face and then say, "Yeah, we won." That means we can never do anything we want ever again uh, so uh, we're interested to see what happens uh, in America with Donald Trump I'm very excited about that one uh, I've kind of got to the point where I kind of want him to win yes. come on it's going to be fucking awesome we're all dead anyway. we're all going to die anyway so we might as well go out go out with him uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very obsessed with uh, CJ from Eggheads I can't get over I can't get over I talked about it on the uh, bonus podcast I did but uh, he's been uh, arrested for his imaginary crime <laughs> It's a terrifying thing to be made, you know, make up a crime and then have to go to prison. You have to go, you have to go to imaginary prison. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. We have a uh, Dutchman in later who can talk about whether he's ever saw, ever saw CJ stalk in the canals. See if I know if he was ever pushed in. Apparently, twelve more in the year CJ from Eggheads was in uh, Amsterdam. Twelve more people than usual died in canals <laughs> I'm no mathematician but that must uh, right look we're going to crack say on because we've got a fantastic first guest uh, and uh, in fact what go, researching uh, my, this guest just made me think oh what the fuck have I done with my life why <laughs> it's a real way to make you think fuck yeah I've really i really wasted uh, <laughs> the last 20 years because he really hasn't you'll know him best he was the former classical music columnist for Gramophone magazine, that is why we're a lot of you can see there's a lot of Gramophone, Gramophone magazine subscribers in one tonight wondering why he isn't doing that anymore. Well, we're going to find out. Will you please welcome Armando Yanucci, ladies and gentlemen? Sit down. He's drinking beer. Sit down. There's a microphone there. Right, thank you. Good. I didn't know whether to touch you or not. Well, I, you know, you've been in a little, little room backstage with me, so you've already yeah, got the, you've got whatever I've got. I know it will go out <laughs> on the internet as well. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, be good if it goes online with this virus. It's not too bad. You must have had. You've got three children, two, two children, three three children. children yes. So you've been through all this three oh, times. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Vomiting. Yeah. The works. Yeah. Every orifice. <laughs> Vomiting out of every orifice. <laughs> Vomiting out of every orifice. <laughs> And, uh, and that's just the children. It is. It, uh, yeah, is. it, is and it isn't just the children because it's also us as well. Yeah, yeah, so, that's yeah. the thing. No. So why? <laughs> so why haven't they worked out that it's kids that that incubate these things and yet adults get it? Yeah. And yet, I don't know. I'm sure there's some. 
Uh, this isn't going anywhere. No, it isn't. No. It must be. But we should have had it all, no. but the new children create new diseases yes. that we didn't have. Perhaps that's the, that's the beauty of... Perhaps today's newly announced Nobel Prize winner <laughs> for medicine can come up with an answer. Because I think if I... The thing if I should win the Nobel Prize for something uh-huh. is someone who can make quite hot microwave food instantaneously warm enough for a child to eat without burning their mouth. That would be... <laughs> that's the invention I want to have. Right. Because you've got to wait and then... You do a lot of that. Yeah. Or I say, could you just not... Oh, no, that wouldn't work. I was going to say, could you just not put it on so much? But, <laughs> but then that defeats the point it of microwaving, does. doesn't they it? They could just, yeah. you know, suck it out of the freezer. <laughs> just suck it until yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, here's a chicken lolly. <laughs> just... <laughs> what happened to the old gramophone magazine? Uh, the old gramophone well, what magazine? There? Well, it was something I did uh, uh, just <laughs> on my sort of day off. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, and uh, but no, I know what happened. I used to write one of these. It was once a month. I used to write a column for Gramophone magazine on classical music. But then I did a film uh, called In the Loop, and it was uh, it just took up a lot of time. And the edit afterwards took up a lot of that. And I had to stop doing lots uh, of things just no. to kind of concentrate on. Is Gramophone magazine still going? Uh, yes, it is. Yes. Do they, do they should change their name to something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the people can actually still listen to Do you know, they thought about it and they thought, no. i tell you something, though. The other reason I stopped was um, the classical music fraternity. Uh, it's just the worst bunch of cunts I've ever found. <laughs> I used to, once a year, I'd get invited to the gramophone Christmas party. And I thought, well, I'd go along. And it was worse than you could, because it was full of, like, obscure academic classical music critics yeah. who all hate each other. And all assume that you share their hatred for that other person. <laughs> you know, it was really worse than any sort of sub-college politicking. It was, it was horrible. Yeah. And I'd always leave these gramophone magazine classical music Christmas party drinks just feeling just unclean and <laughs> dirty and disgusted with myself, yeah. really, for the world I'd got myself into. You know, so that was another that reason. Was it? The, yeah. uh, all yeah. of this. Like, so a lot of comedians get into drugs and yeah. <laughs> hookers. I I slid <laughs> desperately <laughs> into the dark world of appalling music critics. <laughs> you know, yeah. But you've always, you've always liked classical music. I like, have, yeah, yeah, young yeah. and everything. Yeah, so. I, I I don't know whether it's a reaction. You know, I used to share a room with with my brother who was into Lou Reed and David Bowie and yeah. Rolling Stones and all that. And I think you just re- react. This is the way I explain it. You kind of react against what's been foreseen. And, and so I just thought, well, this is fine, but it didn't feel like me. And for some reason, I just remember it, some, music, uh, some music lesson at school, teacher put on a piece of, um, I think it was The Planets or something like that. And I just thought, oh, I like that sound. That, mm-hmm. I want to hear more of that. And I just got more and more... Uh, enthusiastic about it. You must be the only school kid who listened to Planets and wasn't laughing at Uranus when that came up. (laughs) I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah, they all sing in Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) It's a chorus of female voices at the end of Uranus. Right. Yeah. 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 I must must dig it out and have a listen. I can, I can, I can make a joke about classical music as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not hung up about it. Who is the best at classical classical music? music. Who's the the best best at classical music? (laughs) (laughs) The best at classical music is is probably Daniel Barenboim. Oh yeah, because he can play the piano (laughs) and he conducts an orchestra. Right. Can Uh, he write it though? Does he write one stuff as well? It's harder to write it than play it, isn't it? 
Uh, I, well, I don't know. Ask, ask Mr. Barrenboy. I will ask him. Uh, I, I don't I'm going to get him on next week. Yeah, I think, he'll be, I think he'll be disappointed he came. <laughs> I don't really, it's, you know, it's going to be, yeah, I'll tell you, are you the best be at classical of, music? He'll be full of bitter remarks about other conductors <laughs> and, just, and, and that party that he has to go to every Christmas. The conductor's party we have to go to. So we'll talk about something that the people... What about the... Um, more, I think people would be more interested in the pot, the pot noodle advert he did with Peter Bainham. I was hoping to get... Yeah. Peter's in the country in on and off at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I was really hoping to get him on for the last 50 minutes we, we of this. We could have recreated to, it. Yeah, to yeah. talk about how you put it to... Because I I ne- we nearly had him on in the last series because he was in and out of the country. Mm. And uh, I, I watched them all again. You make him sound like some kind of... <laughs> like he's on the run. <laughs> Maybe he is. He keeps, he's changed a lot, hasn't he? He's a different kind of man now. He's in L.A. Doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't eat chicken lollies anymore. No. Uh, what, uh, what do you remember about the two did you Do you write it and direct it? You we, yes, it? We, kind of call, we devised it together. We, they came up with this brief, which was... I'm trying to remember now. It was such a long time ago. Um, As if you don't read it every night. <laughs> laugh at your... <laughs> too gorgeous. Yeah. He said, too gorgeous. That's right. That's it's right. really yes. funny. He, yes, it was... They were... They, the advertising agency were told by Portnoid we'd like to kind of get across the fact that they're actually healthier than people think they are. <laughs> and the ad agency thought, well, no one's going to believe that, so why don't we come up with a, a mock campaign that Portnoid are saying how healthy they are and then have this character, Peter Bainham, trying to subvert it by saying, no, they're not, they're really bad for you. <laughs> And I'm very proud of the fact that we did get out on Christmas Day an advert where it says, Port Noodle, they're really bad for you. <laughs> but, but it only went out once, and then I think somebody made a phone call and it was taken off. <laughs> when you're not allowed to say, wasn't there a thing saying, that, what's all this about? You weren't allowed to say, Port Noodle is nutritious because the advertising standards came back and said, it is nutritious. <laughs> yeah, and there were, there were things you couldn't say, like you couldn't have a go at, um, you couldn't have a go at, like, broccoli. <laughs> because the broccoli marketing board were, you know, were very powerful. Yeah. Or, you know, you couldn't... It, it was like attacking another brand, in a way. So, yeah. you, so you can do... So we had to say things like, you know, leaves and... <laughs> <laughs> green leaves and things like that. But you just think, well, you, you make an advantage of, of your limit, what, you've, what the limitations are, sure. and you just play about with that, really. Yeah. You know? You do quite. You do work on quite a lot of adverts. You're doing, you're doing, you did the post office one. Post office one with um, uh, Bill Oddie. Yeah. Yeah. How was and he? Bill Oddie and Westlife. <laughs> um, not the same. No, Bill Oddie. Um, we had to have Bill Oddie in. Uh, what do you call it? A hide, like a hide, and then like 500 ducks, all yeah. suddenly had to appear, right? And another one, Westlife. We just had to get them to say things, but. After every take, Westlife would just separate, go off in like four or five different directions and have their makeup and then come back again. And, I, and it was literally easier to herd four, 500 ducks <laughs> than Westlife. Was Bill, Bill Oddie good to work with? He was good. He was, was very, he yeah, he was very jolly. Okay. He was good, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'd quite like to get, I don't know if the, all, the, all the goodies are still with us. Yes. I'd quite like to get the goodies on here. Good, yum, yum. They are, they're yep. good. Yes. But I don't know, yeah, do, are, they, are they still friends? I've, I've, I've met Garrett Graham Garden the other day. Yeah, he's, he's quite shy. He is Graham very shy. Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he, he opens up a little bit and he's got lots of interesting yeah, stories. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. He's funny, yeah. I don't know if they all, 
still hang out together. I think and him and Tim do. Go tricycling. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they sold their bike to those uh, the other guys. Oh, God. I'm too ill to remember the name of their group. That's ridiculous. Uh, the Fast Show. The Trap, that's right, The, the Trap. trap. They're the three, uh, three guys that do a, a podcast and their sketch shows ah, up. Right, and, uh, okay. So they bought, they bought the bike. It wasn't worth, it wasn't worth getting there for. <laughs> Never mind, yeah. we'll, we'll edit we'll it out. So let's go back to the, the young Armando Iannucci in Glasgow as a youngster. Yeah. Your dad uh, ran a pizza factory. Yes. What was that? What do you mean, what's that? What's it's a, a factory that makes pizzas. You just make them in that? an oven at the back of the shop. What's that? It's a pizza factory. <laughs> What's that? Well, I've just told you it's a pizza factory. Why do you keep saying, what's that? How many pizzas? The clothes in the t- pizza factory. Well, it's a kitchen, isn't it? <laughs> it was, no, no, no. This no. was uh, this production a, a production line of... Uh, it, uh, it, it, it. I mean, it wasn't like a huge factory, but it, it had kind of like a... a kind of it had an oven in it. And had, you made up, made up two of, pizzas a day. <laughs> it had a kind of Heath Robinson-like long machine. Yeah. And the, you know, the dough would come on to start and then the, uh, the tomato would go on at yeah. the tomato base and then the ingredients would spill onto yeah. it and then it would go under the, you know. Yeah, yeah, like on. how you make a pizza. It's like <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked how it worked, you know. I mean, I'm struggling to come up with anything more exotic than the fact it was a factory that made pizza. Did you, did you work at the pizza factory in, in the, the summer? Summertime? In yeah. the summer, yes, yes. What job did you do? Oh, just... <laughs> Which, which bit were you in charge of? Just packing. <laughs> packing. I was quite young then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, so you've got this your Ita- Italian family yes. living in Scotland. Yes. Uh, quite a lot of Italians in, yeah. in Glasgow and Edinburgh. It's a big well, Italian Glasgow's community. got a, a, a very big immigrant population yeah. of all, all kinds, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Actually very, uh, and it was, uh, it was because it used to be uh, a shipbuilding yeah. centre. So, uh, and, and, and in the olden days... In the uh, pre-internet days, people would travel by ship. So, and my da- <laughs> so my dad after the after the Second World War, he you know he, everyone's looking for work, and, and you go by boat. So yeah. his boat got into Glasgow, uh, and there are jobs there. Was the pizza factory there? And he no. In it or did he go? No. I'm going to build a pizza. No, no, no. He came up. With and uh, yes, so that's why a lot of them settled in Glasgow. Why you get a big Italian community in Cardiff as well? So yeah, anywhere where there's been like heavy industry. So do you feel more Scottish or more Italian, or as, as some I, I man with no I, country? I, in I don't know. I mean, it was interesting when the well, we've been through so many referenda, but when the Scottish <laughs> referendum happened, I, I was and I lived in London. You know, I didn't want Scotland to vote for independence because I just suddenly thought. I'll feel homeless. I'll feel that's my home. Yeah. I, 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 but I don't like the idea of suddenly being a, a foreigner in England. And now that the other referendum, <laughs> I'm very confused. Yeah. Just, all, all my layers of identity have just been stripped off. <laughs> and uh, there is no, you know, small husk of a kind of pure Englishman at the bottom of it, my friend. No. So I'm just, it's just empty. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know what I am or where. Do you and the whole thing was set up just to annoy you? <laughs> Let's get in Scotland yeah. out of Europe. Yeah, that Liam Fox, he's had it in for me right from the start. Yeah, the prick. Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah. we'll talk about politics. Mm-hmm. Tell you what you should do. 
as you do uh, think of it about Brexit. Yeah. So uh, that's what you should uh, You can have that. You can have that. Like I gave you Alan Partridge. How, you can have how would it work? Yeah, you can have it. You can have it. How, how would it, how, <laughs> I get like um, some of the characters from the thick of it and they're talking yeah. about um, what would happen in it well just trying to link, work what would out happen the, different from what actually <laughs> happened <laughs> trying to work out how to leave the EU yeah be good and, and then, then and look, Doctor Who comes in and goes fuck you off <laughs> you fuck off <laughs> that's the first two minutes <laughs> And then they, they then they realise that the ballot paper has got a misprint on it, and it <laughs> says no and no, so, and oh my god, and should they let it out or should they keep it quiet? And then all he gets drunk in a pub and admits it, and a reporter publishes it as a story. And uh, soon, soon, my the, idea. This remember, so, my, all my idea. Soon the press are furious, and Malcolm plants a rumour that are all started by the man who first came up with the word no. So they, they trace his great-great-great-grandson to a small house in Perth. Not Perth, Australia. Perth in Scotland, which just complicates matters. And so the press are camped outside the small house in Perth saying, why did you fuck up the referendum with your double no ballot paper? And the minister says, I think we got away with it. Only to discover that... She had a microphone on when she said that, and it was broadcast across Times Square and via the International Space Station to Vladimir Putin, who launches a nuclear strike. That's the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Literally that easy. See, that's why you should do it. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. I've just done it. It's yeah, it's good. It writes itself. Is it? But it's like, you know, I mean, I know you wouldn't want to go back to that anyway, but um, mm. it's, it, do you feel that the world events have overtaken satire to an extent yeah, that's it's impossible? Just, I don't know what to... I, I said this the other day. I just can't... I don't find Donald Trump funny. I don't find him funny. I find him appalling. I can only think of appalled things to say <laughs> about it. There's, there is that stage of... We've, you know, we've we've gone into this slightly fictional world, really. There's no need to have things like think of it and so on, yeah. because what's on the telly and the news feels fictional. I mean, like you said at the start, you know, and I berate you for this, saying I'm tempted to vote for him just to yeah. see what happens. I think that's what a lot of people do, <laughs> maybe because they're so pissed off and they're so, you know, we haven't been listening. Let's just vote for it and but see what happens. Isn't that what's know? happening with all the elections? Is it's yeah. people saying I don't like what's going on, so I'm going to. Yeah. I'll give you a bloody nose by voting for this guy who's got the exact opposite of what Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's so, I mean, Trump has somehow managed to make himself to identify as being some kind of outsider. Some outsider. <laughs> billionaire outsider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, even like this Bruce week, Wayne. Yeah. Even this week, <laughs> after his... After his <laughs> after his appalling kind of... Uh, Bruce Wayne in a Donald Trump suit. <laughs> that can, can, <laughs> can misogynise someone from <laughs> 50 <laughs> yards. <laughs> Even after his appalling appearance in this debate, yeah. he's still at 45% of the people... I know, it is extraordinary. I mean, that's just terrifying. What's more terrifying is, like, not, not so much watching... I do watch the debate. I, I, you know, the fool... I thought it would be awful to watch, and it was kind of mesmerising about how awful it is, you know. It's like watching a horror movie where you just... You keep watching. Yeah. Um, but read the transcript, read the word-for-word transcript, because that is, that is bleak, because it's just 
random words. <laughs> Ran- the sentences that go on, you know, through centuries and just don't reach any... It's, you know, and every now and then, <laughs> you know, there's a great wadge of stuff from him. You know, I've got to tell you, we, the computers, cyber China, we've got to... I tell you, she didn't do it. She didn't do it. I'm the one because I've got to tell you. And believe me, believe me, we've got to, we've got to... You know, and there's that for like half an hour, right? And then, and then you just read Hillary Clinton. Did you just hear that? <laughs> I tell you, you know, yeah. that goes back to yeah. she didn't, you know, I got you know. it was his microphone though, so oh, it's, it's, the microphone. Same, it's the same for me, I sound really croaky in yeah. this, because George, our sound guy's not very really good yeah. and he's <laughs> he was saying how Hillary Clinton's going to get the vote of every sound guy now because <laughs> there are a lot of them <laughs> in America said, yeah. was, it, was it that the sound was blocking out every other word <laughs> it could be. which is why it sounded so incoherent, oh, oh no, my, product, my product placement's fallen over okay, that's <laughs> Do you have to actually do an advert then? Do you well, I do, well I, we have, yeah, well, we'll talk about it in a bit. Okay. I will, uh, it's not really an advert. I'm going to discuss it with you and you can say what you think about it. That's oh, an right. You okay. can say, this is shit if you want. Okay. And then the man who's in the audience who brought the stuff along goes, oh, I paid 300 there's a very good. There's a, <laughs> there's a very good American podcast, political podcast called yeah. Five, 538, which is Nick Silver and his you know, wonks who look at the polls and try and work out how the race is going. But they have to read out an advert in the middle of it. Right. And it's for pants. It's for underpants. <laughs> but it's a serious advert. But it's not yeah. like they've got a, someone in to do the voiceover. They can't afford a kind of... No. So they have to do it themselves. Yeah. So they do a kind of... So where do you think... Do you, do you see in Pennsylvania the swing? <laughs> there's the under 30 voters who are not coming out for Hillary Clinton. And yet you've got the white, uneducated male, blue-collar workers who are very demonstrative of their support for Trump. In a minute, but first, have you ever considered your underpants? Uh, you want to feel comfortable, you want to feel warm uh, when it is cool, you want to feel a little bit more enclosed when it's a little bit breezy. Well, we. Said, you know, yeah. and then, <laughs> They're not even allowed to make hang to the left jokes. No. <laughs> and you can just hear in the background all the other policy experts just going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's partly why I've always resisted before, but hopefully yeah. the things we, we've chosen to be, uh, you know. Smartly, appropriate mild, well not appropriate but just inappropriate well just weird hopefully so <laughs> we'll see how it goes um, and I wanted to talk I didn't know yeah. about this but I, I was fascinated talking to Graham Lynn about something similar that uh, with the thick of it, it there was an American pilot before Veep which yes. this season is a yeah. sort of extension of uh, the thick of it or a, you know, yeah. another way of looking at it but there was an actual American attempt at the uh, thick pilot it. yes yes with Oliver Platt Oliver Platt was, three Malcolm, was Malcolm Tucker, right. <laughs> and, uh, and Ollie was turned to, to was was a girl, and, um, and and Christopher Guest directed it. Yeah, and Mitch Hurwitz who did uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, uh, sure on it. So so what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and it was tedious. It right. was what happened was it got sold to ABC, who are one of the big mainstream networks, yeah. but owned by Disney. Um, so there was no swearing. It was all conventional. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how you just laugh at the idea. Right from the word go. Yeah. So how could you do the thing without swearing? I know. And, and I was I I was this was my first taste of America actually, yeah. my first trip to LA. And I was flown over. We're so excited to see you. If Sony were making it, I was showing around Sony. I, I sat in the house that um, Gone with the Wind features in Gone with the Wind, which is a set of offices down right. there. So, so it's all very exciting. 
and uh, I got a lot of what um, what someone later told me uh, was is called uh, depressed hyperbole, which is what you get in uh, meetings in Los Angeles, which is depressed hyperbole, which is you go into a meeting and there's someone by a big desk who just goes. We're so thrilled to have you. It's, <laughs> it's such an honor to meet you. It's, uh, we're, so, we're just big fans of your work. And you realize that's the fourth, you, you're the fourth person that yeah. they've had that meeting. And uh, so I thought, oh, it's all very exciting and they good to have me. And then I, heard, I didn't hear anything from them again. And they went and made the, the thing without my involvement. And then, so, I mean, the, I, that happened with Graham, so I can't yeah. understand that is even allowed to happen. No, I don't think it would now. I don't think no. it would. Um, I think it happened at a time when, uh, and this was a BBC thing, they were just so excited to be speaking to someone yeah. in America that they <laughs> sold it for a pound. <laughs> I, th- I think they sold it for some beads and some <laughs> a shell. I got given a shell saying, this is, this is your cut. Of what we, what we, we've sold America the thick of it for this. And, uh, and a potato and stuff. Um, I don't think that happens now, but that's what happened at the time. And, and, but it was interesting because it was my... I kind of... I learned from it and I, I actually put it into In the Loop, which was the, the thing yeah. of it movie, where all the um, British politicians go over to America and think they're going to have some kind of say yeah. in the war and then realise they've been utterly shafted <laughs> and then ignored. And that was really based on my... Uh, right. So tele on... I mean, it's sort of weird, with, yeah. especially with your stuff, because I think your yeah. stuff so much depends on you and, and, mm. and you being... Like, in the, in the way the old days it used to work, they'd go, hey, here's the money, go and make what you want to make and let's see what it is. Yeah. And it seems to be what you've done but from the start. You've of, gone off and done your own thing. But it came good in the end because... Yeah. In amongst those initial conversations, I, I spoke to HBO. Yeah. Then went and did In The Loop, and then HBO got in touch, heard that Thick of It wasn't happening in America. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for, for in the loop, we had to get a letter from Sony saying we could make a film with Malcolm Tucker in it, right? Because the BBC had sold them like the character, you know, I mean, just, you know, for a little bag of tobacco. Who <laughs> <laughs> still sits on the director general's desk, you know, the little bag of tobacco from Sony? Um, <laughs> uh, and HBO said, look. You know, we want to do a show about Washington. Yeah. We saw it in the loop. We like the thick of it. But they very much were like BBC were, HBO. They very yeah. much would get the people in and then we just let them get on with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's when we make beat. So. Yeah. So it's not King Good in the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird, though, isn't it? It's weird that, so that these incredibly intelligent people who worked mm. on massive hits yeah. kind of don't get how that that it but, works, it, but there's a lot of that, though, isn't it? I think it's the sheer numbers involved as yeah. well, because there are so many people there, and they're all they're all called vice presidents of vice president programming, vice president, you know, scheduling and yeah. commissioning, development, and all that, and they all have to justify their job, yeah. really. And and I I don't think they have much to do, because <laughs> when you're making a show, you're busy, but when you're when you're going, let's have a show about politics. That, you're not really busy. That's just that one <laughs> sentence. Uh, and, and then you invite everyone to do it. Then the next thing is you've got to invite everyone who's done anything about politics yeah. to a meeting because you don't want to be fired if your boss says, have you had that guy in for a meeting? So you have to have everyone in for a meeting, which is why you end up having the meetings with this tone of, we're so excited, because <laughs> you're just, you know, you're the 101 person that yeah, yeah. 
So there's a lot of that going on. But the interesting thing I found about HBO is they're not, they're tiny, they're small. Yeah. I only had to deal with one person, really. They're a very small outfit. Yeah. <clears throat> was it an ambition yours to go to America? Cause I, I, to no, a, I don't think it was an no. ambition, no. I, I mean, I've always been fascinated by American comedy and yeah. American politics. And I've always um, admired, you know, stuff that HBO does and also AMC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it was great that they... Uh, uh, you know, made the approach, and I thought this is really exciting. But yeah. I think it was it was the project and the people involved in it that was the. And were you out? You were out with Veep for four years or five years? It, it was probably on the whole five years because yeah. we do a pilot first and get that going, sure. and then you come back. And, then... and you were coming back and forth. I was. So, that was a crazy thing. I was yeah. commuting. I was commuting. <laughs> <laughs> Not all year. We we they were really good actually because it was all the thick of it writers, all the thick of it directors, and we edited it in London. We wrote it in London. Um, the cast came out to London to rehearse it. Right. But, but in the end, we'd shoot it in um, Columbia, which is halfway between Baltimore and Washington. So it was on the East Coast, right. which was better than the West Coast because it's just easier to fly to. But also, <laughs> it, you know, it, l- it allows you to go into Washington to shoot yeah. sort of exteriors and stuff like that. But it's, you know, it's five hours' time difference, and it is flying. And I, I try to do, like, two weeks out there, one week back. And, and after... Really, after about three years of it, I could tell that I was just a zombie. Yeah. You know, not just out there, but at home as well. So that's when I decided to, <coughs> after the fourth season, that I would stop. Yeah. So you've you've left you sort of yeah yeah away from I've it completely. completely. I mean, they asked, "Do you want to stay on?" And I thought, you know, if a new guy's taking over, they ought to take over. You know, mm-hmm. everyone needs to know who's in charge because that's the other thing if there are too many people around I think that's where the problems with these other shows happen is there's, there's too many people yeah. sort of in charge so no one quite knows who the ultimate person is in charge yeah. and therefore decisions get fudged and so on so uh, I, I thought it was important that, um, that, that Dave Mandel who took over as showrunner was in charge yeah. and felt he was in charge and the cast felt he was in charge and the writers felt in charge you know <clears throat> it's it's an amazing idea that no one. Has, it's amazing that no one had that idea before for Veep. It sort of seems like what set in the vice president. Well, just yeah, the, yeah, a sitcom set around the vice president. It's, 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 like, I suppose yeah. in the West Wing they kind of had the vice president as a as a little bit, but not, not very much. Yeah, it's but interesting. It seems the most obvious. The pilot of the we, of the West Wing was really meant to be about um, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Josh. Not CJ. Not uh, oh, what's his name? Sam Seaborn. Sam Seaborn, thank you. Yeah, uh, Sam. It was really meant to be about him, yeah. Sam Seaborn, who was like the deputy chief, uh, deputy speechwriter. Yeah, and and Martin Sheen just sort of bobbed in and out in the background. But yeah. of course, everyone watched it and go, well, I, w- "I want to know more about him. <laughs> Which, that guy over there, he's in charge. I want to know more about." So then it became about the president. Yeah, you know? and um, and I suppose we were looking for a comic um, uh, kind of uh, idea behind yeah, yeah. it. So the idea, and I read this amazing book. Um, uh, uh, Robert Caro has written this huge biography of Lyndon Johnson, uh, and it's an extraordinary book. I mean, he's now written it's like four thousand pages, and Johnson has just become president. <laughs> so we've still got Vietnam to go through, you know. But anyway, he's still writing the next volume now. But it is an amazing. Uh, it's a gripping account of someone who's very, very, you know, from day one wants to be president, is trying to work out how to be president. And, you know, rises up, becomes a congressman, becomes a senator, becomes chief majority leader in the Senate, gets enormous reform in acts, becomes the most powerful figure after the president. Yeah. And then 
John F. Kennedy becomes president. So he, he thinks, what do I do now? I'll become vice president because on balance, one in four vice presidents become president. Right. Okay. That was his, that was the, that's the math he yeah. did. Uh, and, and it worked out. And so I thought that's really yeah, good. It <laughs> yeah. And it worked, it worked out. You know, Kennedy is like swings and roundabouts, really. You know, it's sort of, you know, you win some, you lose some. And um, in a way, it was lucky he wasn't president. One of the first time. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. I thought, oh, that was a shame. Oh, no, it worked out quite well. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, not yeah. Being yeah. That time. So, kids, uh, if you want to make it in life... Um, latch yourself onto someone who's going to be killed. Um, uh, uh, no, but what was interesting about that was there was a powerful figure because he just ran the Senate. Suddenly, when he was vice president, reduced to being this guy who they sometimes forgot to invite to meetings, <laughs> who was literally drumming his fingers on, you yeah. know, waiting for staff, <clears throat> waiting for the president to ring up, and, and you, know, uh, you know, emasculated. And yet, people were still had to reserve a little bit of um, uh, um, respect for him because you never know. Yeah. And in fact... <laughs> yeah. So, and, and we talked to, when we were researching, we talked to a guy who was chief of staff for Joe Biden and previously for Al Gore. And, and he said, yeah, it's that thing of, America's all about winning, about coming number one. And yet, if you're vice president, you're, you're more or less going around with a badge saying number two yeah. all the time. And it can be demeaning. And you sort of, he said, you know when you come into a room, people, people will laugh at you, about you as you leave, but not in front of you, yeah. because one day you might be president. Yeah. You know? So there's that kind of... And I thought that's quite a funny... Yeah, no, definitely. Especially if we make her a former senator and she was once powerful and, you know, she's yeah. not a not complete idiot. You know, she has been elected and she has been successful, but suddenly she's got nothing to do. And yet there's that ambition... And, and the big things are happening next door and how yeah. can I get next door? So that was the starting point. For yeah, it. I mean, but it's, that's what, yeah. I mean, that's what, I suppose what's interesting about it is there's that, there's that perfect scenario there mm. and yet no one had thought to do it. That's, it's kind of encouraging as a comedy writer to go, oh, there <laughs> yeah. is, there are, because there's so many people trying to think up the perfect sitcom yeah. or the perfect situation. I think, I think and also, then that's, yeah. Uh, that's such a good, you know, it's such a... Cause, cause also it's, after Dick Cheney, it no longer became a joke joke, a kind of bog standard joke about yeah. the president. You know, they could be powerful and they could be influential. Yeah. And maybe that was then why <clears throat> it felt like a good place to set it, really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, how interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> Not many interviewers do that, do they? It's sarcastic. <laughs> it was interesting. This could, could be a new section in, <laughs> in the new series. There should always be a, a, a very interesting one. very interesting. Where you, where you stroke your chin. <laughs> and there's just a little slight awkward pause. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Well, that's why I have emergency questions now, Amanda. Oh. Some new, I foolishly, for one of the Kickstarter awards, said I'd do a book of 500 emergency questions. <laughs> I thought that'd be easy to do. Yeah. I've, I've started writing it. I've written all the ones down in this book and about three more. Uh-huh. And there's 103 so far. Okay. It's, there's quite, it's quite hard to cut. And then I've got to come up with loads more for individuals. Yeah. I'm an idiot. But here's some of my new ones. If you were granted the powers of a King Midas, but yeah. could choose what everything was going to turn into... <laughs> What would everything turn into in Armando Yunucci's King Midas world? <laughs> um, I think either carrot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> carrot. Carrot. Because carrots, yes, I like carrot. Raw carrot, not cooked yeah. carrot. Okay. Carrot is useful. Well, also, if it's raw, you can cook it. You can. And cook if it. it's cooked, you can't make no, it raw. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. You should get the Nobel Prize for physics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so carrot or uh, um, yeah, trifle. It has to be trifle, yeah. not I, chocolate. You trifle. know, but then everything would turn into it, and all you'd touch your wife, and she'd turn. But that's into the essential carrot. Midas problem. It is a problem. You know, you know, I've come up with a solution. I run that. Everything I would touch would turn into what it was, but holding some diamonds that they would then give to. Okay. That's what King Midas should have got. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever killed someone but never spoken about it? And would, and would you like to speak about it now? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> if you have killed, don't talk about it. That's, that's yeah. well done, Amanda. You, got, no. you didn't fall into my trap. <clears throat> he had a slightly... I don't know, it was a slightly forgiving look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> As, as the final shard of glass uh, <laughs> given away too much. W- went in his eye. The police can work that out. <laughs> this guy from Eggheads, right? Yeah. CJ from Eggheads. CJ from Eggheads. Not his real name. No. Isn't he meant to be clever? Well, I mean, out of all the Eggheads, Eggheads is quite an easy quiz because they right. give you all the answers. Well, that's rubbish. They, you know, they, you, get, you get a multiple choice and any decent quizzer can work out. Yeah. Which, you know, I think it would be a good quiz if there were no choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's pretty bad at it still. Okay. He's, usually it's him at the back. When it's the final round, right. it's usually him sitting behind going... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take out Nick CJ from... from like, what's the point? You let him stay in there. Am I right? I'm thinking people, a lot of CJ fans, they, since he's murdered someone, you like him, man. I used to joke about it and go, yeah, he's an idiot now. Now he's dangerous, Rich. He could have you ever, push you in a have you ever killed anyone? Um, no, well, apart from the, possibly this little girl that okay, I've mentioned yeah, before yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that I dreamt about. I had, a t- I had a dream last night that I was, uh, at the time, uh, that I was in the Twelve Disciples. 
And, uh, which one and were you? I don't, I can't no. remember which one I was, but then Jesus was talking, mm. and we couldn't quite hear him in the back. And I said, "This is like in life." <laughs> <laughs> it was just when we were meeting him for the first time. <laughs> uh, in, in sort of prison, in sort of prison, like end of year Christmas shows and talent shows yeah. and stuff. Do you think the murderer does? observational comedy about murder. Yeah, yeah. They should do, it'd be good. Because to other murderers, it would work. Well, to a, murders, a, to a crowd it. like this. I mean, there would go. be an audience going, ha, ha, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's awkward, that bit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. Yeah. Another new one. Do you think the Tim Allen film, The Santa Claus, could ever happen in real life? <laughs> I don't think it has happened. What no. happens in Tim Allen? Well, Santa Claus? In t- in t- uh, as from memory, uh, <laughs> Santa Claus gets knocked off a roof and dies. Uh-huh. Uh, don't spoiler alert. And uh, and then the Tim real Allen, Santa Claus. the real Santa the real Claus, Santa and then Tim Allen, who's just a bloke with it, yeah. and he's divorced, but he's trying to get, he's trying to get on with his kids, but you know they don't yeah. identify with him because uh, he's Tim Allen. Uh, <laughs> free Buzz Lightyear toys as well, I guess, but it doesn't help. And uh, is. Um, he uh, he becomes Father Christmas, slowly turns into Father Christmas, and then becomes Father Christmas, and that's how you. That Father Christmas is. T- I was talking to someone today. Yeah. Today, just not long. Yeah. Before, about what happens, there must be someone who still believes that it's Father Christmas. Yeah. And then ha- has children. <laughs> uh, and then is fully expecting. Their child to be given presents by Father Christmas. So is then shocked on Christmas morning when Father Christmas hasn't come. And assumes his child's been naughty and punished. Must be naughty, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that must that must have happened. Must that have happened? No. No? <laughs> not, not even in America. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe like a twelve year old has had a child. <laughs> like a, but I think, you know, once they've gone through whatever that happened. To make that happen, they've probably know. lost their innocence. Sure, there's some community somewhere that still believes in Father Christmas all the year round. <laughs> some community, there's yeah. a community. Yeah, you've got to raise the stakes from one person <laughs> to now a community <laughs> of people who are just saying, definitely he is. I know he hasn't been for a hundred years, but not he's like, coming, you have to believe. We're not believing I'm enough. Saying, not like, and I'm not having a go at the Amish, Amish community, but yeah. you don't know, like the Amish, you know. Dress and that. The, you the, are having a go. At I'm the not Amish having group. a go. No, I don't believe in Father Christmas. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm they saying don't like rather buttons. like there is that community. Yeah. There may well be in some other state in you America. Think we wouldn't have heard of this Father Christmas. <laughs> a community that genuinely believes that Father Christmas exists and they till the fields dressed as elves. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just. We don't know. I'm going to go. Well, I think. See, if this was Donald Trump, he'd say, we don't know. We don't. Could be. Could be possibly. Nobody knows. Nobody. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Well, I was thinking. China. People say about conspiracy theories. In fact, I say this about conspiracy theories. Yeah. That one of them must be true. You know, the, the others are, yes. you know, they're, they're out of all the moral and true. Yes. So out of all the childhood stuff. Yes. One of them must be true. So the Easter Bunny, maybe, or the Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Father Christmas. The, the um, uh, Penny the for the Guy. Yeah. <laughs> the guy. 
the harvest. That's it, the, there are no more. <laughs> the Micklemas mouse. The special. Yeah. <laughs> if one of them turned out, the tooth fairy could be real. The pancake camel. <laughs> someone was telling me they had to tell their 11 year old child, I was a friend of a friend, so I got it second hand, but someone said their 11 year old child still believed in Father Christmas and they felt, oh, well, we have to. We have to tell them, and then they said, "Yeah, well, they took it quite badly." Went, "It's okay. At least we've still got the Easter Bunny." <laughs> <laughs> and they went, "Oh no, uh, <laughs> that's all made up. It's a shame. Isn't it, it was a man who rose from the dead." <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. Uh, yeah. Let's do some product placement, Armando. Look, this okay. is why this is a perfect man. This Richard, is really what good. have you got for us this week? I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see uh, what, what people think about this. This is uh, something... I've got to get the actual right name of it because I don't want to get it wrong. Because that's, you know, that's the part of being in the world of advertising. Yes. You should know this. You've got to get the name right. You've got to <laughs> get the, that's the main This is from spinelessclassics.com. Mm-hmm. What this is, Armando, what do you think about this? This is a, like a poster, but it's of an entire book. This one is 1984. That is the whole text of 1984 on a poster. Up on a board. That's handy, Richard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you've got a magnifying glass, you can read 1984. When I'm on the train but don't have a copy of the paperback, (laughs) I can always get out my (laughs) hard, large, card, oblong, (laughs) and read it. Causing minimum discomfort to the commuters on either side of me. I think it's for display purposes, really. But um, yes. why would you want to display 1984? <laughs> what purpose? To, to keep warning people about its message. Okay. Because you might forget if it's just on a bookshelf. But if it's up there on the wall, go. Oh yeah, we better watch out for totalitarian governments. Yes. If although, everyone had one of these, maybe Donald Trump wouldn't be doing so well. That is my point. Okay, but although you say all of 1984 is up there on it. Yeah. It is illegible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got very bad eyesight, so I can't tell. The, all I know is this bit, these three columns. I mean, right. it's impossible to believe that whole book could get on like that, isn't it? But it is, that's the whole thing. Those three columns are that really That's boring. what they want you to think. Do you, do you remember the boring bit in the middle? The, the, 984, there's like a oh, big tree. Smith and he's... Yeah, yeah, it's there. It's three columns worth fucking yeah. hell. Uh, so, and there's that one. Is of, uh, see if you can guess what that one is. It's James, James Bond. And that, that one is... James Bond, did you say? Yeah, James Bond. And that one oh, is right. uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, see? Oh, wow. So there you go. So you can get those online. They're, and they're very nice. And no, hang on, hang on. No, no. What? What do you mean you can get those online? <laughs> you get them in. There's loads okay. of Okay. And then do what with them? Put them on your wall. Put them on your wall. You're meant to help me. Don't okay. Don't let the man's in who made that. He's been going for five years. He's really nice. I don't care. <laughs> it's spinelessclassics.com. He gave us 300 quid to make this. You know, that's paid for George, the incompetent Sandman, yeah. who's, who's broken his arm. Oh. He fell off a bike. <laughs> <laughs> He's what, incompetent what? even in so his... trying to record... He was, in a, he was on a Brompton bike. Uh-huh. You know, the ones that fold up. Yes, OK. Yeah, and it just unfolds. <laughs> 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 uh, did he end up in a little cane? <laughs> One foot square cane. <laughs> Compacted metal and rubber. He might have done contraption. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's good that, don't it? That's no, it's a, good, it's a very good thing. idea. It's good. Yeah, it's very good. He needs like if ten people buy him, then he's all right. He's made some money. So yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. <laughs> you wanted to be a Catholic priest. Very briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you wanted to be one very briefly, or you wanted to. No, very briefly. I wanted. To be. <laughs> okay. At school, yeah. I was I, a Jesuit school. Yeah. So it was a very Catholic school. And they were very good, actually. They were very sort of free-minded and let us kind of ask lots of, you know, they didn't ram down our throat. And I, I, I suppose I was... <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> they asked politely, will you, will so you take this in your mouth, Armando? <laughs> the holy body of Jesus. Yeah. And this. <laughs> that it's on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually I just thought this is rubbish <laughs> no I don't <laughs> good there we are would you, would you have been a good Catholic priest <laughs> I don't know I mean, it was all the it was, it was all the poverty chastity and obedience thing yeah. really and the poverty is not I, I could have you know I wasn't I'm not really into some luxuries it's the chastity and obedience yeah. really that, that put you off <laughs> yeah. really. so uh, and I just thought you know once you hear a certain age you think no, that's bollocks. Yeah, really. No. <laughs> Although I do, you know, I do still, I'm still interested in, I do admire people who are, I'm not going to say religious, but who are spiritual, you know, who, 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 you know, are keen to try and come up with a way of life that implies there is something a little bit better than mm-hmm. just us getting through the day. Yeah, really. There isn't, though, is that? Sort no, of I know, but <laughs> but it's nice to con them it's into right. thinking that there's like communities of people who still believe in Catholicism. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, Father and Father Christmas in that certain state <laughs> in America. Yeah, um, you have written. Are you are you writing a thing about artificial intelligence now? Is that your next? Uh, it's a script. It's a comedy. A, a movie. Yeah. About artificial intelligence and is it about having sex with robots? No, no, there's no sex with robots. No, no, it's really more based on the premise. You know, these if you go on YouTube and you look at robots now, they're rubbish. They are, (laughs) I mean, they sort of fall over and can't pick things up, you know. But the premise really is what if their software was brilliant so their minds are just you know streets ahead of us. But the hardware is still that, and yet they decide now is the time to strike. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you know the brain is saying, "Kill all humans, subjugate them, not kill them, subjugate them, subjugate them." Yeah. But physically, <laughs> they've just gone too soon. This yeah, they've just gone too. They should have waited. Yeah. So that's the premise. So that's that's written. So I'm right. just I'm the next process of. And you've just completed another film? I've just finished a film called The Death of Stalin. Okay. Which, uh, rather like the pizza factory, yeah. the clothes in the title. Yeah. It, it is I haven't got to that bit in history yet, so I'm annoyed <laughs> you've given away <laughs> yeah. the ending of that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. 1953, Stalin died. <laughs> okay. And it's about what happens when he dies and the power struggle going on in the Kremlin yeah. to who takes over. Steve Buscemi is Khrushchev and... Um, Simon Russell Beale is Lovrenti Beria, who's the, who's the villain, the head of all the secret police and right. the torture and stuff like that. And uh, Michael Palin is Molotov, and Mol- Paul Whitehouse is in it, and um, uh, Andrea Riceborough, and uh, yeah, 
Brilliant. Yeah. So Jeffrey Tambor is, oh, is, he? is great. Jeffrey Tambor is Malenkov, who takes over from Stalin. Right. And is no good. <laughs> just a rubbish Stalin. Yeah. It's all based on true... It's hard true to events. follow Stalin, though, isn't it? Very difficult act to follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, is, he is the Morkman Wise <laughs> of single dictators. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> often with dictators, you don't get to follow them because... That they fuck up and that's the end. Like so, there's no no one had to really follow Hitler in. A, no, no. But there was the guy, wasn't there, for a, a couple of weeks who took didn't, over. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. we? Don't really remember him. And the interesting thing is, you know, Stalin was, um, you know, responsible for millions of deaths. You know, maybe as many as as Hitler. Yet somehow he's kind of got away with it. In that you can, you can joke about Stalin or or that whole the whole language around that time. You, you can yeah. say to someone, Ah, come on, <laughs> comrades. Stupid, you know, but you can't say to someone, "Ah, you Nazi." <laughs> it's just, you know, that scene is like yeah. toxic, and yet Stalin somehow is seen as, uh, as fortunately, as the subject of a light-hearted uh, <laughs> look at the events. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that we shot that in the summer, and I'm in the middle of editing that now. Cool. Yeah. And when will that be out? 2017. Yes, yes. I think the idea is to May, June, something like that next year. That's good. And um, no, there, was some, there was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about. What might yeah. that be? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I've got through this far, to be honest. Um, I'll talk about something else. It wasn't nowhere. Oh, we both wrote for Up to Something. Our, our, to our, something. our, our comedy paths something. have crossed about three times. Yeah, that rings about One was, was uh, there was the Shane Ritchie. David Schneider, oh, yes. Mike Haley vehicle. Yes, from yes. 1990, yes. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember much about working no. on that? <laughs> no. I don't think I actually wrote for it. I think no. David Nick asked if I could have he one of my He did the same to me, one of my scripts. scripts. Yeah. And then said, and gave me 50 quid. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's right. Very good. Anyone remember up to something? No. Nope. Shane Ritchie? Remember, it might come up on Pointless. Yeah. <laughs> what else is in your book? Well, there's all sorts of things. Dad, your dad owned a pizza factory. Yeah. Oh, you at 14, you went to the library to read Hansard. Yes. Yeah. You were quite a nerdy. I am very nerd. I know. I know. I was very, nerd. <laughs> very uncool. Very, you know, not into like fashion or nothing like that. And I sort of resented it. I kind of. I think that's part of why I wanted to go into comedy. I just. I hated the way that, you know, society could bully you into wearing a certain type of clothes yeah. or listening to certain type of music and I just didn't like that yeah. so I, I kind of just thought I just want to do my own yeah. and I still hate labels you know they hate the idea of people being labelled as such apart from idiots who believe in Father Christmas <laughs> or I think people who support Donald that, Trump yeah. I'm sure it's true of a, a lot of comedians yeah. I mean A that comedians are quite nerdy but also yeah. that kind of because that sort of thing but bothered me but do you think there's a the thing that I Loathe now is that comedians are now cool, aren't they? Yes, There's a kind of old generation of sort of trendy, kind of cool comedians. I, I do. I resent it. Yeah, because it's it's not that, that, that was not us. Are that, they? that was we, that was in our world. No. We weren't offered that choice. No, we, we were uncool. And yeah. that's how we got out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did comedy. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. be cool through comedy. It's yeah. really it does annoy me. Yeah, um, we should kill them. <laughs> we should. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, well, so, yeah, what, what was your favourite bit of Hansard that you would <laughs> no. so Hansard's the right just it's, of what's it's happened the in Parliament of what the happened the House of Commons it was I mean, before it's, it's turned out to be good for you in the end but it was before uh, you could there were cameras television cameras in the House of Commons and I was just interested in, to, in certain debates like 
when, um, you know, when the government fell and I vote no confidence and yeah. Margaret Thatcher laid into James Cameron. I just was quite interested to read what actually happened in it, really. Did you have posters of Malcolm Rifkin on your wall? And that kind no. Of thing? no. No, I didn't. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I got to look round uh, Cecil Parkinson's house a week before he died. <laughs> have the police spoken to you about this? <laughs> I, but, but I saw Chris, I saw Cecil Parkinson on New Year and he died in January, didn't he? Right. Because oh, I'm looking know. for a house. I went and looked around his house. Oh, I see. He was by surprise. I, wa- I walked in. Oh, there he this was. This man came up to me and said, hello, I'm Cecil Parkinson. And I looked up and said, oh, yeah, you are. He's quite nice. <laughs> it was quite an avuncular figure. He told me that the well in the, uh, the village uh-huh. uh, that he lived in, uh, in times of pestilence, you're allowed to draw one bucket of water out of that well. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'll buy a house then. Uh, I, I didn't buy his house. No, it was weird. My wife didn't realise who he was uh-huh. uh, and didn't really know who he was. He's quite. Do you know who Cecil Parkinson is? I mean, he was a very evil, basically the most sort of evil politician. <laughs> I mean, he was a, a very unpleasant man. Well, he sort of um, he uh, he has an affair with his secretary. Yeah, is that right? And then and they had a child, and then he. I don't even know to this day whether he, he imposed an order on, so it became illegal even to mention this child. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't allowed to be in school photos at all. So yeah, uh, and which is why I'm saying I'm not even sure whether yeah. what we're doing now is allowed. Is allowed. Ah, uh, he's dead now. Fuck him. Uh, right. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting constitutional. It uh, is uh, minefield. Our, our producer think, can yeah. sort it out. He can just put in the beeps again of the Prince Andrew yeah. beeps. Yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah, know if you know about Prince Andrew. He's, he, uh, yeah. What he does. <laughs> all true, apparently. It is all true. It, all true. it is all true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was very... So we were yeah. looking around yeah. this house. Uh, a, there's like quite a lot of paintings and busts of him. Uh, and also there was all the... Up one staircase, there was all the Labour isn't working publicity. Oh, right. yeah. And there was a, like a Christmas card from uh, the, the Camerons on the mantelpiece. And my, you know, my wife was slowly kind of looking around going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I always found myself going around Geoffrey Archer's house. Oh, really? Uh, in, uh, he, he bought... Um, who's that poet who got killed in the First World War? Rupert Brooke. Rupert Brooke's uh, house in uh, Granchester, is it just outside Cambridge. Is it Granchester? That's made up, isn't it? That's from the Archers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> from, from Thomas Hardy or something. I don't know. Those. Anyway, Rupert Brooks house <laughs> yeah, no, outside Cambridge. And I was invited to a thing that was nothing to do with Geoffrey Archer. It was just a, it was a charity thing. But it was, um, his wife was hosting the event, so it was at their house. So he was around, and uh, you got to wander around his house. And, and the bathroom downstairs is just, it's a bizarre, it's just full of front pages of magazines about Geoffrey Archer, including the scandals. Yeah. Was there a brown paper bag full of money behind this toilet well, system? <laughs> but there was just, there was no, you know, there was like, look at all the things that we've done, yeah. including the scandals, <laughs> just like paraded for you on the, right. on the wall. Yeah. I remember. And there was, a, there was a little bridge going over a, a, a pond full of fish. Right. And a little girl who we, who we knew came over to us and said, oh, that man over there, he's very odd. I said, oh, well, that's Geoffrey Archer. Why? And, and, and she said, oh, because I, I said I like the fish. And, and he said, oh, oh, do you like these fish? Each one of these carp represents a West End musical I put money into. I said, 
don't, don't go back. Don't, don't speak to him. <laughs> Step away. We'll find your parents. It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's blood, brothers. <laughs> <laughs> After if the carp dies, does he then replace it with another carp and have to remember which carp yeah. is which? No, the musical is just closed for a, for a day. You know, the lights go out on London's West End. <laughs> the mousetrap carp is still alive. That's why they, alive. they can't get rid of the mousetrap. Yeah, um, it's interesting seeing that. You say it was horrible though, Cecil Parkinson. Yeah. Well, he bet, and he also he never saw his. He had a she was brain damage. And oh yeah, no, no, he completely. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. definitely true. Yeah. That's definitely true. Didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't <laughs> afford his house, but you know, it was nice yeah. to look around. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> do you think there's a lot of people, I think there's a lot, I'm trying to sell my house at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think a lot of people just come around just to, like... To see Richard Herring's house? No, no. <laughs> no I think, well, no, I, that's why I, I went around to, and, well, like, a celebrity chef who I can never remember, remember the name of his house, who's uh-huh. quite famous on telly, and the woman, the estate agent was all like, oh, you're going to be, I think you're going to recognise this guy. I was going... Excuse me, yeah. I am me. <laughs> I'm not going to be impressed. You should be impressed that you're showing me round this house. But she didn't recognise me from these podcasts for oh, some reason. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> so no, but I, I should have put it on. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people. I've had like three or four people come round who come round three or four times hmm. and then just go away. And I think they just like to make you think they're going to buy your house because okay. they get like because of the power of it. I don't think it's like. I think so, have you ever experienced that? Like, just two or three, there's a woman who came round three times, like twice, and then oh, good, we're going to get an offer, we're going to offer. And then just nothing happened. And then we talked to another sage, and he said, is it Mrs. Clements, or whatever her name was? He said, and said, yeah. And he said, oh, yeah, she came round one of my houses seven times. <laughs> seven times. She also probably goes to lots of funerals and yeah, maybe, things yeah. like that. You know, just... Anyway, it's fun having a house, isn't it? Uh, so, um, <laughs> it's not, nice having a house, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in 2010, you voted for the Liberal Democrats. Yeah. How did that work out? <laughs> in 2011, I, <laughs> I regretted my... Who are you going to vote for now, now there's nothing in the centre? I don't know. I mean, that is the problem. I just... I'm confused. Yeah. I'm confused. I don't know. It's hard, well, isn't it? It won't be for Theresa May. <laughs> but it's... Uh, I, you know, I've, I, I, you know, it will come as so, no surprise that I tend to be a bit, you know... Woolly liberal left of centre, whatever. Yeah. So I gravitate between Labour and Lib Dem. I don't know. No idea. <laughs> uh, that's the depressing thing in that politics is sort of fragmented so much. There are three Labour parties now, and yeah. there's, there's actually four Conservative parties. There's the hard Brexiters and soft Brexiters and Remainers and yeah. Osborne. You know, it's, it's so confusing. And I can see why. You, the number of people who vote in an election has been going down and down for the last 25 years yeah. because it's so uninviting, so unappetising, really. Yeah. And it, why a lot of people feel, actually, maybe... Uh, I, I don't agree, but I can see why a lot of people think, forget it, yeah. let's not vote, let's try and achieve change through some other means. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of... Do, uh, do you think, like, a... Do you think it needs to be a new... Cent- I mean, it, it feels to me there's a lot of people in the centre, both, I both think, sides of the centre, you know, who aren't being represented without, by Without being a kind of... But I'm going to sound it. Um, a, a, a very dry um, uh, electoral reformer. I do think, fundamentally, the problem is we have an electoral system that only works if there are two big, strong, highly popular p- parties. Yeah. 
And we don't have those now. We've got each party that's not so strong, um, and, and the system doesn't work anymore. So you now get, for example, um, you know, you get a Conservative Party who's elected on what thirty-six percent of the vote. That's not very much, no. and yet have a majority—not a big majority, but a majority. Yeah. Once you have a majority, you have absolute power. So you give someone absolute power, even though they're only elected by thirty-six percent of the population. In the nineteen fifties. Labour and Conservative, you know, used to get thing, you know, forty-seven, forty-eight percent of the vote. So therefore, it kind of made sense to yeah. have that system. But if you don't have that system now, you can, de- and therefore, if thirty-six people percent of the population vote for the government, it does mean that there's oh, what's the maths now? There's sixty-four percent of people who didn't. Yeah. So the majority didn't, which is why you get this. Um, increasing level of frustration and disappointment yeah. and anger and nobody quite knows where to direct it. So that's, that's the problem. Do you think you should stand for, for government? No, I'd be terrible. <laughs> I'd be dreadful because I'm so used to, and it may possibly as a result of what I've done in, in terms of the work I do, you see so many sides to it that I couldn't do that. Uh, you know, if, if I was on Newsnight and somebody said, what do you think of this? I'd have to do, well, on the one hand, this, but I can see their point too and you mustn't get, you know, so I, I'd buckle under yeah. that. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, I sort of feel like everyone, it's sort of become that if you are consistent, that is an admirable thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the consistent people are the ones who fuck everything up on this. They, they, well, aren't, that, the people, aren't the people who are prepared to, to weigh up both sides and change their mind? I, I, think, the, I think decisiveness is overrated. Yeah. I really do. Because uh, I think people who just go, yeah, let's do that. You know, you think, oh, great, they're decisive. But no, they may have just rushed into a decision that is actually bad. Yeah. And, and that was a lot through the 80s. You've got people, Margaret Thatcher. I mean, I don't agree, I don't agree with her. I don't agree with her. But, uh, you know, but, but she knows what she thinks. <laughs> she knows what she thinks, you know. And, uh, yes, but you don't agree with her. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you see the Trump thing, you know, he's, you know, he just says it like it is. He just says it like it is. Well, yes, but have you heard what he says? <laughs> you know? And it, it, it's that. But if, the, if Trump doesn't win... Yeah, I don't think he will win. But then someone else will next time. I mean, it's sort of like they've realised... That, that the genie's out of the bottle, isn't it? That we don't, the facts are no longer and that's important. The problem, than, than that's the problem in America now as well, which is, you know, that system only works if it's two big, fairly cohesive parties. But yeah. it's not. The Republicans are split and the Democrats are split. So, which is why you get the extremists on the right and you get the Bernie Sanders sort of movement supporters who are looking for an alternative because the, the system is bust, you know, and, and that's what's happening all over. And the whole Brexit thing is, 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 you know, is, is the country sort of articulating that frustration, really? Yeah. You know, one way or the other. Yeah. Shall we get rid of democracy? No, that has its own problems. <laughs> As you'll see in my movie, yeah. The Death of Stalin, uh, <laughs> coming out in the cinemas. Uh, is there only the problem that Stalin wasn't immortal? That's the only If he'd lived forever, it would I mean, be they tried to keep him, uh, they tried to preserve his body. Right. You know, like Lenin. Yeah. The, the, and do you know this? Because we spoke to the people who are in charge of the preserving. Right. And there's little electronic, there's little motors inside pumping it and also fanning it and keeping the temperature right. It's full of electronics. And inside Lenin? Or inside, Lenin. In, yeah. Len, in Lenin. No, what happened to Stalin? Is Stalin just re rotted, did he? Pickled him and <laughs> shoved him out the back. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he's making a bit of a resurgence, actually. It's interesting, in, in Moscow... He's not coming back, though, is he? <laughs> As a robot. <laughs> um, in Moscow, because Putin now is very much into... If you go around Moscow, there are statues... You can see portraits of Stalin around and, and, and statues of Tsar Nicholas II. So it's like... It's almost like he said, I don't care which spectrum they're from. Yeah. If they're authority figures, I want them up there. I want people to get to like authority figures. I just want that idea to sort of seep into their consciousness. Right. Authority figures. Yeah, because the royal family are like saints now to the Russian people. The, 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 uh, so, yeah, yeah, and the Russian Orthodox Church is yeah. very big. And, and, and Putin has allied himself with a sort of sect within the Russian Orthodox Church who believe that um, Moscow is the third Rome. Right. You know, Rome moved to Constantinople and then it's moved up to Moscow. And, that, and so, you know. Not funny, but. Uh, no, no, we're, allowed to be, we're allowed to be educational and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing I was going to ask you about was about another idea you had about um, internet billionaires. That was an, you know, another. The kids become young people getting making lots of money on the internet. You're going to do a sitcom about that? Yeah, I did. I was, when we wrote Veep, we also yeah. wrote uh, a thing about Silicon Valley for right. HBO. And they, they, they said, can we put it to one side at the moment? Because we, we don't really think the time is quite right for a Silicon Valley sitcom. Right. <laughs> and then two years later, <laughs> I think they were just too polite to say, oh, we've already got one. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was that idea. Right. So I thought, well, now Silicon Valley. And it's yeah. very funny. I, there's no point in me doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, you were almost trampled by a hippopotamus. Yeah. <laughs> can't believe I forgot about that. I believe that you've left that to near the yeah, end. Yeah, well, that's, I thought I'd say that you almost drowned in Mauritius. Yes. Yes. I tend to nearly die on yeah. holiday. Yeah. You've got to be careful. That's when yeah. you're relaxing. I, uh, yes. So I was, um, uh, we were in uh, the Kruger Park in South Africa, and uh, we were on a, a, a nighttime safari. So you go out at night, and it's an open-top jeep, and you shine torches into the trees. Yeah. And you see the little eyes of, you know, bush babies. And, you know, most animals... Um, run away from the light, apart from hippos, who are bastards. (laughs) And if they see light, they go, what the fuck are you doing? And they charge at you, especially if you've come between them and the water, which we had. And the the driver just, he just, he he was a big guy, but he he immediately, you know, put the thing on and sped off as fast as he could. We got away from it. But he was like shaking. At right. He said, I've always wondered what would happen if I saw a hippo at night. And Rachel and I, my wife and I, we just thought, God, if we died, what would the funeral be like? Because people would be upset, but on the other hand, yeah. we were trampled to death by a hippo. Yeah. And that would be. And I think there's a Graham Greene short story about a guy whose father got killed by a pig falling on him. Right. And he's never quite come to terms with the fact that people don't take his father's death seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's, you know, I, I worry about dying in an embarrassing way. Yeah. What, what's your favourite embarrassing way to die? <laughs> well, there's loads of ways. I ne- you know, I nearly choked to death on an apricot stone. Okay. When I was eating an apricot and I just ate the stone by mistake yeah. on my own. And I just thought, that's... I was, <laughs> as it was happening, I was just thinking, I thought I was going to die. No. And I was just thinking, oh. 
What stupid, oh. pointless way. <laughs> <laughs> so that, and that's not even, you know, that an accident where a hippo attacks you, at least that's not your fault. No. And what happened when you were drowned? You nearly drowned? Drowning. So uh, this was uh, Mauritius. They, they advertised this thing, you can walk on the seabed. I thought, I'll, I'll do that. I've yeah. done a little bit of sort of scuba diving before. And what this is, but it's actually, you got out of this boat, and, and it looked really like Jules Verne. It was like a glass helmet they, <laughs> right. they put on you. <laughs> And they put weights, lead weights, on your belt and your shoes. Yeah. And you, you sink to the... See, it's not that deep, but, it, but you are completely... You're underwater. And there's a tube going from the glass helmet up to the boat, sort <laughs> yeah. of pumping in the air. And the idea is on the seabed, there's lots of this coral and there's lots of beautiful fish and you can hold out some food and they all come to you. Except my glass helmet was, was filling up with water. <laughs> uh, and therefore, I had less and less oxygen... Yeah. And therefore, I, was, I, I went into that kind of drowning state where I was going, oh, I'm drowning, but oh, oh I can't be bothered. <laughs> oh, just somebody sort of... And there was, there was another diver out there who saw it and just, you could see his eyes dart open and he turned a valve and, and the air came in and the water started. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know. And the thing was, I came back afterwards and Rachel said, so how did you get on? And I said, well, I nearly died. <laughs> And I was, I was thinking, why aren't you upset? And, and she was saying, because you didn't. <laughs> you clearly didn't. You might have nearly died, but you yeah. didn't. You know, so that's why I'm not upset. <laughs> so, yes. So you stupid comedy yeah. deaths on your lead. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you ever worry that you might have died, and it's like in Sixth Sense, and you're... <laughs> and you are. Uh, well, I could be dead as well, or I could yes. be just doing a... Uh, a uh, practice interview to an empty chair and you're, <laughs> you're sitting there in archery. Well, I mean, I was told <laughs> when I came here that this interview will go on for 20 years. So. It, so it, it could do. It might yeah. do. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you. I think we might have to wrap it. Let me just check. There's nothing else I would, wanted to ask you. Talk amongst yourself for a minute. <laughs> I think we covered it all. That's good. Oh, you you abseiled off the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford. That's right. Yeah. Did you nearly die doing that? Nope. No. No. Nope. <laughs> That's quite dangerous. Abseiling. It down was. The it was not, it's not really. Yeah, fall <laughs> off. At least you're in a hospital. If you fall yeah, off. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was raising money to to stop people dying. <laughs> was it? That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Nice of you. Yeah. And when it worked, <laughs> and now nobody dies. Are there? <laughs> Are you able to pinpoint any people who are still alive because of you abseiling down that thing? Well, and, no, you're, you're dead. And, <laughs> yeah, I might be, oh, God, I might be dead. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And you're just talking to yourself and yes. that doesn't make sense. No, all the people who haven't died as a result of that do have to just pay me 10% of the, yeah. a, a tithe yeah. every year. Yeah. I think it'd be nice if you know you've literally saved yeah. someone's life yeah. to just ring them up every now and go, yeah, remember? Remember yeah. the old abseil I did? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to remind you of it. It's just remind deal. you. Just, just every year for the rest of your life. That's all I'm asking. Just give me some of your money. That's all. Yeah. You know. Wouldn't want something to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> like them suddenly forget the cure to that disease. <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> well, it's been lovely. Thank you, for Mr. Coming. Yanucci, to you. <laughs> Thank you for coming back on the show. It was a pleasure. Before it's been lovely to talk to you, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> please give it up, for Armando Yanucci.
Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. It would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.